You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. All right. Well, welcome to the February 2020 Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. And I'm Jess. And we are from the Course Report team. Course Report is a resource for students who are choosing a coding bootcamp. So we are super plugged into the coding bootcamp industry. So each month we round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read and chatted about in the Course Report office. And we share it with you in this podcast. So welcome to February. Before we dive in, this month was super busy and we are going to break down a bunch of news for you, but I just wanted to put a little plug in the in the top of this podcast that if you are looking for a high level overview of the entire bootcamp industry, I actually got to speak at a conference in November about the state of the coding bootcamp industry and the Skill FM podcast published that talk. It's about 25 minutes long and we talk about where the industry is at now and where it's headed this year. And to accompany that, we actually published a 40-page PDF that digs a little bit deeper. It's called The Guide to Coding Bootcamps in 2020. And we will put a link to that in this blog post. So Jess, what are we going to be covering today? Uh, We saw two new fundraises in February, and we'll look at a couple of big companies that are now partnering with coding boot camps. We'll also talk about the controversy around California boot camps like Lambda School and where the BPPE stands with boot camps right now. Plus, we're going to break down two new reports, uh, one about tech training in New York City and the other from HackerRank. And we'll just and we'll cover what journalists are saying about the future of tech education. And of course, we'll finish up with a roundup of general coding bootcamp updates, new campuses. There are 13 new coding bootcamps uh, that we added to the directory in February. And we will discuss our favorite recent pieces from the Course Report blog. So let's kick off this episode by talking about a couple of fundraises in February. Okay, cool. So we'll start with this one from Udemy. According to EdSurge, Udemy, which is an online learning platform with over 150,000 courses, has raised a $50 million Series E round of funding, uh, claiming a $2 billion valuation. That investment was made by Bines, which is an education and publishing provider in Japan that's been a content and localization partner of Udemy since 2015. And TechCrunch did a profile on one of Udemy's competitors, Code Academy. So a quick update on Code Academy. Uh, Zach Sims, their founder, says that they are now cash flow positive. That's something that they kind of struggled with a couple of years ago. Um, but they are cash flow positive because of their paid Code Academy Pro users, which is about $240 a year. They've raised $42 million over the past eight years, but Zach Sims says that Code Academy is capital efficient and doesn't feel the pressure to over-raise money when they are thinking about planning. Bloomberg reported that Bangalore-based startup InterviewBit raised $20 million at $110 million valuation. InterviewBit's six-month coding bootcamp Scalar Academy has received more than 200,000 applications since, since it launched in April 2019. 
Well, congrats to you, Demi and Scalar Academy. Uh, we're always covering boot camps who are raising money, but we don't often talk about who's doing the funding. But in February, Ed Surge published an article about Dunce Capital, which is a small-ish $3.5 million fund that offers angel funding for small education startups. One of those is the sales bootcamp SV Academy. Ed Surge also reported that to you released its earnings report for 2019. So we got a peek into how Trilogy is performing on to you's books. As a quick reminder to you acquired the Trilogy bootcamp business in April of 2019, which saw 33.2 million in revenue and accounted for about 20% of to you's revenue for that quarter. To you's total quarterly revenue of 163 million is a 42% increase over the same period last year. And speaking of Trilogy, uh, Yahoo Finance and University Business reported on a couple of new Trilogy partnerships. We'll just go through these really quickly. First is a fintech bootcamp with the University of Toronto. And then Michigan State University also partnered with Trilogy to create a full stack coding bootcamp in Detroit. Plus, according to Education Dive, 2U plans to launch six lower cost bachelor's degrees in partnership with the London School of Economics. But it's not just Trilogy. Noodle Partners is now partnering with the University of Tulsa to create an online cybersecurity bootcamp. And Central New Mexico Community College is now offering a 10-week data science bootcamp. And finally, Full Stack Academy is expanding their partnership with the University of San Diego. They were doing an online bootcamp, but this will be in-person, 12 weeks, uh, Full Stack Web Development. If you've been following coding boot camps, you undoubtedly read at least one article in February about Lambda School. Uh, Liz, can you break down all of the news about Lambda School for us? Sure. Okay, so we're still very much in the middle of this saga. So there aren't real like answers. None of these stories have are closed. None of them are ended. But over the past couple of months, there's been some trouble brewing around Lambda School. It started with a $75,000 fine from the BPPE for operating without approval in California. We talked about that in last month's podcast, and that got journalists looking into Lambda School's most kind of talked about differentiator, which is their ISA, their income share agreement. So their CEO, Austin Allred, talks a lot on Twitter and in the media about their ISA being a cure for a broken education system. Um, So it's not really surprising that regulators would be looking into this. And then on top of that, students in their new UX program have been uh, complaining that they feel like guinea pigs in a new program. So there were a ton of articles about Lambda School this month. I don't want to go too deep into any of them, but I'll just like touch briefly on all of them. So New York Magazine and Business Insider did a deeper dive into Austin Allred and Lambda School's claims around job placement. So if you remember last month, we talked about Lambda pulling out of SEER, the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting. Now he's giving a kind of conservative estimate that their placement is around 50% for graduates who are six months out of Lambda. Um, But they also say that that number is taken out of context and that they're going to be releasing their full outcomes soon. And then The Verge explored the potentially high cost of the ISA, pointing out that Lambda's intentions appear to be well-meaning, but they dig into their business model and how they're handling ISAs. And as New York Magazine puts it, quote, Lambda takes out a loan that is secured by students' ISAs and has to repay that loan with more interest as students... Uh, as more students graduate and are placed. 
And then Josh Bortz, the CEO of Lighthouse Labs, came to Lambda's defense in an article published in BetaKit saying that, quote, the education industry needs to be able to innovate and adjust quickly to changing workforce demands, end quote. And obviously, regulators can be slow in this regard, uh, and traditional education institutions struggle to you know, innovate rapidly enough to keep up. So that's where Lambda School and other boot camps come in. But Bortz also uh, points out that a school has to be really transparent to students if they're forging this kind of new path, which we totally agree with. It definitely sounds like we're in the middle of this story. Um, Are other schools being affected? Yeah, I mean, it's not only Lambda School. The BPPE has been, you know, in working with boot camps in the last seven, eight years since the first ones launched. Um, Holberton School in California also came under pressure in February. The BPPE issued an emergency ruling that Holberton can no longer offer their boot camp in California. Um, They have several campuses, but San Francisco is undoubtedly the largest. So not to get too far into the weeds, but that ruling cites two things. First, um, income share agreements. And second, that Holberton made unapproved changes to their curriculum. Um, Holberton CEO, Julianne Barbier, says in an email to students, quote, we have been working with the BPPE throughout the licensing process over the last few years. We're eager to continue to fully cooperate with them so that we can address your concerns and, or their concerns rather, and return our focus to our core mission of educating you, our valued students. So that's a lot. I think our takeaways right now, and this is obviously an evolving story, but our takeaways are one, scaling ISAs, that is a risky uh, situation when you do it with VC money. So traditionally, ISAs were backed directly by schools. Uh, App Academy has been offering an ISA for years uh, with a lot of success. But now schools like Lambda School are selling those ISAs off to investors. And if students don't understand what they're signing up for and, you know, there's more risk for the student than there is for the school, then it becomes really hard to support. Um, Secondly, just to point out that coding boot camps have always been disruptive, always been iterative. That's what makes them interesting. But there's a difference between that and the Silicon Valley kind of fail fast mentality, especially when it comes to education. The third takeaway that I see here is that SEER, the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting, is more important than ever. Having one rubric that all schools are adhering to is super important if this industry is going to grow with integrity. And finally, and then I promise I'll shut up about this (laughs) this stuff, my final takeaway is that the BPPE is very serious. Online programs really have to take the BPPE seriously if they're going to teach students in California. As we learned last month, the Texas Workforce Commission is very similar to that. And in other regulation news this February, uh, we want to give a quick shout out to Wild Coding School, which is now accredited by the National Qualifications Authority um, with the approval of the Ministry of Labor and the Ministry of Education. Wild Code School grads can now receive diplomas of web developers, which will be recognized in the EU member states. So very, very cool. Well, we will, of course, keep you up to date around regulatory news and how those stories evolve. But let's move on for now. Uh, We read a few articles this month that piqued our interest about bridging the tech gap for underrepresented groups. 
Um, the first is this new report about tech training in New York City. Liz, what was that report about? So this new report came out in February from the Center for an Urban Future about the state of tech training in New York City. They take stock of uh, K-12 programs, but also adult education options in New York City, which is what we uh, focused on. So they find that while existing programs are successful, there just aren't enough options in enough neighborhoods in New York. Um, and I end up agreeing with their two recommendations recommendations, which are A, to make a significant new public investment in expanding the learning ecosystem. So I think of that as investing in existing programs like the tech talent pipeline, and B, to develop support for non-tuition costs of adult workforce training. Because when we think about like barriers to entry for boot camps, it's not just free tuition. It's the report points out like transportation and childcare and the opportunity cost of being away from work. Those are all huge barriers barriers that we have to address if we want to get low-income students into, into coding boot camps. And that report was covered by Inside Higher Ed and the New York Times. And speaking of, let's give a shout out to two of these New York City Tech Talent Pipeline programs. Um, applications are open for two new co cohorts, uh, the Data Analyst Training Accelerator at Galvanize and New York City Web Development Fellowship at Flatiron School. Flatiron School also announced a $1.3 million partnership with the Department of Small Business Services and the New York City Tech Talent Pipeline to train New York City residents for a career in software engineering. The 19-week full-stack boot camp will train 75 New Yorkers at their Brooklyn campus. Definitely. If you are unemployed or underemployed in New York City, apply to those for sure. And here's another example of government investing in non-traditional education. Inside Higher Ed just reported today that the American Workforce Policy Advisory Board uh, will be launching a national advertising campaign promoting education alternatives like boot camps to the traditional four-year degree. That was created in association with Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, and the now former CEO of IBM, Ginny Rometty. Flatiron School has also announced some new tech programs designed to increase tech education access to marginalized groups. Um, in partnership with the STEM nonprofit Cognizant US Foundation, Flatiron School now offers the Next Tech 100 scholarship, which grants $1.2 million total to 100 students from either high need or underrepresented backgrounds. And the Women Take Tech initiative is Flatiron School's newest campaign towards gender parity in the tech world. Cool. And then Leela McKellen wrote in Quartz this February about how Etsy doubled the number of Black and Latinx employees hired in 2019 over the previous year. So Leela looks into how Etsy achieved this, and here's one point that they make that I wanted to point out. Um, quote, what's more, to stay connected to a diverse pool of potential future employees, Etsy has partnered with several programming training schools, including the Flatiron School, NPower, Vets Who Code, and render ATL that are known for seeking students from communities that aren't among the usual suspects in tech talent pipelines. BET listed Atlanta, Georgia as the new tech mecca, especially for African Americans. Atlanta is the second largest majority black metro area in the United States and home to large companies like Coca-Cola, Macy's, and Delta Airlines. In last month's podcast episode, we mentioned that Atlanta was listed as one of the top 10 most affordable cities in, in America for developers by Coding Dojo. And of course, it's home to boot camps like Digital Crafts, Flatiron School, and Tech Talent South. 
And then Coding Dojo is opening their Bellevue campus up to five refugees from Rwanda, Burundi, Ukraine, and Ethiopia. So they'll all go through Coding Dojo's 14-week boot camp. And finally, looking outside of the U.S., the Jakarta Post reported on the growth of the digital economy in Indonesia. Indonesia is now turning to coding schools like Purwadika Coding School to continue growing. So it is really cool to see how boot camps fit into the movement to increase diversity and inclusion in tech. But moving on, let's talk about a few articles we read in February that ponder the future of tech education. With the year being 2020 now and no flying cars just yet, we read quite a few articles about the future of tech education, specifically asking the question, will anyone need a college degree in the future? According to a 2019 survey by Payscale, 66% of the 248,000 participants polled said that they had some regrets about their college experience, mostly due to being saddled with student loan debt, and others citing that their college degree did not amount to them getting a stable job. In an interview with Fast Company, Ryan Craig, who is the co-founder of University Ventures, uh, says the big trend for all learning institutions will be to focus on a student's employability post-graduation. Craig says alternative education programs like coding boot camps and company-sponsored apprenticeship programs will only see increased enrollment. However, the most successful programs will bridge boot camp grads with entry-level tech job opportunities. And we also saw that Pi News reported that at the recent Holin IQ Summit in London, edtech investors such as Emerge Education and Bisk Ventures hammered home the point that universities need to be agile in order to survive and that partnering with coding boot camps is a way to ensure their success. So interesting to see how the uh, kind of view of boot camps has evolved in the university space. And on the other side of that coin, Forbes recently came out with a piece that threw a lot of skepticism about coding boot camps being the future of tech education. Even though the US Bureau of Labor Statistics data shows that the tech industry will see a 21% rise in demand for software engineering talent, Forbes says that coding boot camps are not necessarily the answer. Uh, Their criticism of boot camps stems from unstandardized curriculum, lack of accreditation status, and instructors that lack training. So just to point out, I mean, if you think about those things, those are some of the things that make boot camps flexible enough to train folks in new technology, but totally understand their point. Yeah, the skepticism around boot camps totally makes sense. But what we're seeing is that boot camps are already a part of the tech education ecosystem. And a new hacker rank survey backs all of that up. Tech Republic and the CIO Dive covered this report in February, which says that the United States is expected to add 300,000 new software development jobs over the next decade. With this drastic need for developers, hiring managers are adapting their vetting and recruitment strategies in order to employ top talent. The Hacker Rank survey reports that 32% of hiring managers have hired a bootcamp and that 72% of those managers believe that bootcamp grads are equally or better equipped for their jobs than traditional CS grads. And nearly one in six Gen Z respondents learned from a bootcamp. That Hacker Rink report has a lot of other data uh, around the most popular jobs in tech. Spoiler alert, it's front-end developer. Um, And the most in-demand programming languages, which uh, is JavaScript. But we will put a link to that full report in this blog post. And BrainStation, which is a Canadian boot camp, does an annual digital skills survey as well. So we will include a link to that report too. 
Yeah, that BrainStation report actually focuses a lot on the skills that developer developers will need on a five-year horizon. And speaking of that, a recent Tech Republic article suggested that successful IT professionals won't limit themselves to the nuts and bolts of code. Um, instead, they'll need to double as advisors, helping with vendor selection, mapping overflow, and improving processes. Maybe the most important takeaway is that all tech professionals should do their due diligence and stay up to date with all the latest technologies. We also saw a controversial post come out of DICE last week about programming languages that won't be in use by 2030. Nick Kolakowski from DICE predicts that Perl, Objective-C, Ruby on Rails, R, and CoffeeScript will be defunct within 10 years. Those are fighting words. Well, let's round out this segment of the podcast with a bit of advice for employers who are hiring boot camps. Tech giants like Google, Apple, and IBM no longer require a four-year degree, so chances are if you are a hiring manager, you'll probably be working with or interviewing a coding bootcamp grad in the next couple of years. The News Observer recommends that companies think about training their own employees internally, as IBM does, and Forbes has some great onboarding recommendations when hiring boot campers, like assigning a peer mentor, giving tech hires ample time to dig through old code, and having tech hires play different roles to get an understanding of all the aspects of your team. We do a ton of uh, employer spotlights where we talk to actual employers who have hired bootcamp grads, and they all give really similar advice to be successful in your hiring when you're hiring someone from a boot camp. And Liz, what new boot camps did we see in the news this February? So first up, Nashville Biz Journals did an interview with the founders of Codex Academy, which is an online coding bootcamp that launched in October. Codex was created in Nashville with the idea of supporting and keeping tech talent in Nashville. Uh, according to the West Virginia Gazette, the Mountain State West Virginia now has a six-month tuition-free software development training program. It's created in partnership with Mount West Community and Technical College in Huntington and the West Virginia Community and Technical College system. New Force is modeled after Nashville Software School and is helping those living in West Virginia make career changes into tech. And then another update, Metis, which is a data science bootcamp, is launching a live online bootcamp. So look out for that. And lastly, Future 5 spotlit Vietnam's Coder School this past month, highlighting the low cost of living and vibrant culture of Ho Chi Minh, as well as Coder School's full stack and machine learning programs as a great reason for international students to enroll there. Well, congratulations to those new boot camps and new campuses. And Jess, we actually added 13 new boot camps to the course report directory in February. Let's tell everyone about these new schools. So first up, we added Applied Course, Go Harness, and Mind Magics, which all offer boot camps in India. For online boot camps, we added Tech Sales Bootcamp Course Careers and Full Stack Bootcamp Face Prep. We also added Preface Nomad, which offers a full stack program both online and at their Hong Kong campus. Students and alumni from WBS Coding School in Berlin, Germany, Uplift Code Academy in the Philippines, and Abunafu College in Nairobi, Kenya can now leave reviews for these boot camps on Course Report. And for those looking for a data analytics and data science boot camp near Dallas, we just added Colaberry to our list of Texas boot camps. 
We also added Reboot Academy, which has a campus on the Spanish Canary Islands and offers full stack data science and UX UI programs interspersed with yoga classes. And last but not least, we added the Florida Atlantic University's Center for Online and Continuing Education Bootcamp, maybe in competition for the longest name for a bootcamp, <laughs> and Becker College School of Graduate and Professional Studies IT bootcamps, also in the running. Um, but <laughs> both of those boot camps are powered by Quick Start. And to talk a little bit about our favorite pieces on the Course Report blog this month, um, we published eight new posts um, on the Course Report blog, and those were stories from coding bootcamp alumni, current students, instructors and mentors, curriculum designers, and the employers who are so happy to have added bootcamp grads to their teams. Liz, what was your favorite piece to work on this February? Yeah, well, over the years, I've interviewed a ton of data science bootcamp graduates, but recently I got to revisit all of those interviews because I was curious about the types of jobs that graduates actually got. So I put together a list of all of those job titles, and I also included what those grads say that they're actually doing on the job, which is really interesting because they're all doing so many different things. We've got machine learning engineers, data scientists, uh, decision scientists, uh, and they all kind of explain exactly what they're doing on the job. So if you're considering a career in data science, but you're not totally sure what that career path actually looks like, this is a great place to start. And I had a lot of fun putting it together. And Jess, what was your favorite piece to work on in February? My favorite piece this month was a spotlight that I did on two alumni from Tech Elevator's Ohio campuses. Three years after graduating from Tech Elevator, Gabriel Sheely is now a senior software artisan at Accenture, and alumni Rebecca Sullivan works as a software engineer at Google. And I just loved learning about their tech career journeys um, and getting a sense of the tech scene in Columbus and Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, those were so great. I loved hearing from Gabriel and Rebecca, and they've come so far in their yes. careers, like being senior engineers now at legit companies. It's very cool to and see. In under three years, three years basically. Yeah. So keep checking out our blog each week for new alumni journeys, reviews on coding bootcamp curriculums, and tons of other uh, blog posts on Course Report. And that does it for our February 2020 podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next month on the March Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. And remember, we love feedback, so email us your thoughts at hello at coursereport.com. If you enjoyed this episode, help other future boot campers find this podcast by going to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this episode, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving a review. We'll see you in March. See you next month. Thank you.